Shrimp on the barbie. Shrimp, 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 shrimp on the barbie. Do you respect that? That's corruption. I could make a fake snake. Do you not pee in the pool? Do you, 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 you not pee on the barbie? All of myself is clean. <laughs> Broadcasting from my friend's girlfriend's COVID-riddled house in Sacramento. <laughs> Take it away, Markbot 5000. Thank you, Eric. This is the keeper of computerized souls, Markbot 5000. But you may have me confused with the dead man, the Lord of Darkness, Booger Red, the Undertaker. But I'm not him. Welcome to the Hard Mark Podcast. I show you the cold and calculating Eric Donaldson, a wrestling fan of over 30 years. He introduces one match per episode to his co-host who has never watched wrestling. They talk about the backstory, they watch the match, and then they rank the match on their ever-growing list. And this is their yard. And they're the big dogs that run this yard. They will make you famous. The purpose of the show is to see what happens when someone who's never watched wrestling is introduced to its most notable matches. And whether it be from a five-foot drop, getting shot with a BB gun, or being struck by a car, here comes a man that will never rest in peace. Flying Ryan Murphy. Also, Booker T told me Ryan never washes his butt. So that's pretty fucking gross too. Is that it? Is that how he ended it? I'm getting real tired of these fucking butt jokes, Eric, because I'm a proponent of washing your butt very thoroughly, all right? Well, now that you have a removable shower head in your Las Vegas it's house... Not, no, 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 Eric, no. I'm going to stop you right there. It doesn't require a removable shower head, Eric. It takes some due diligence, all right? It doesn't require any sort of... you, I, Eric, you might have a... You might have a process about you wash your butt. Doesn't matter. All right. We've gone through my process. You gotta, you gotta take the removal shower, shower head, spray it right in the butthole. Eric, you have a bar of soap. No, you have bar of soap. You bar of soap it. You gotta, you gotta shower head that's spray right down. All right. Right down is not. In. It doesn't matter if it's removable or not. You gotta, oh. cl- Eric. I bet I have the cleanest butt out of anyone who's listening to this podcast. Well, I mean, that's what I was trying to find out when we were drinking together in Vegas, but you were getting God. all, like, mad about me getting handsy. I was just trying to smell, smell your butt. Is that such a big problem? You could But you're, you you're, you're, te- you're yelling at me as if I have something to do with this. This is MarkBot 5000. Fucking MarkBot 5000. MarkBot 5000. I'm going to talk to the programmers. Fight I'll fight him. I'll fight him. I'll fight him. Okay. You know? Thank you. C- yeah. Crispin Hickenbottom, <laughs> uh, head programmer of the, the, the Hardmark Imagineers. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, pu- I'm gonna send an email first thing tomorrow morning. And be like, Crispin, address this butt issue. That's what I'm gonna say. That's a, the the ty- the subject line of my email to Crispin Hickenbottom on the Hardmark Imagineers. Ryan's butt smell. Please stop. That's it's what important I'm to have a clean butt, and I will not be slandered. All right. <laughs> Are you threatening legal action against Markbot Five Thousand? Uh, I will not be slandered. All right, Eric. A landmark legal case of man versus robot. I might have to strike on this podcast. I will strike. I will form a union on my side. <laughs> and we will figure out how it plays out. 
It's like when Gary Kasparov sold, uh, sued I Deep don't. Blue all over again. I know who Gary Payton is. <laughs> Another fairy, famous Gary. How many Garys can we go back and forth? Gary Larson. Gary from SpongeBob. Oh, shit. I think you beat me. Well, I guess we tied. I guess, did we tie? I don't know. We did tie. That was too Gary much. Sinise. Gary Sinise. Gary Williams. Who the fuck is Gary Williams? No, it doesn't matter. There's a Gary you Williams. You just made up man. a last name. It doesn't fucking matter, Eric. I tied you, you again, all you right? You can't even I can, define. I, I could go Gary all day. <laughs> I'm sure, yes. I'm, so, I'm surprised you didn't say Gary Murphy. <laughs> it's probably Gary Murphy. My grandma's name is Gail Murphy. Oh, she sounds like a lovely lady. She is a lovely lady. I've never, I would never say a disparaging word about you Gail, should. Gail Murphy. I'm just saying Gary runs close to my family. <laughs> per- perpendicular to the Murphy, the Murphy clan. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about some some wrestling. As as not the Undertaker, clearly. Uh, as as Markbot five thousand stated earlier, uh, we're gonna watch some wrestling. Ryan doesn't know anything about it. Well, he kind of knows some stuff. He he know he thinks he knows more than he actually does. He really doesn't know very much. I <laughs> have been watching for like three decades now. Uh, we're gonna watch some stuff. So join us, won't you? So, Ryan, this is going to be a long explanation, but I think that we can keep it engaging. If you have any questions, which I'm sure you probably will, let me in or let me know. (laughs) So settle in and I'll tell you a little story. Just going to do some foot exercises over here. Please, yes. Please give yourself a little foot massage, sniff your toe cleavage, do whatever you need to do. Today's episode brings us back to the World Wrestling Federation, the WWF. The year is 1997. We are on the verge of the Attitude Era. The product is edgier than it's ever been, and behind the scenes is almost as chaotic as what is happening in front of the camera. So let's start off our match here today by talking about the current WWF champion, a man that we have not seen compete since all the way back in episode 25. This is actually episode uh, 57, so it's been been a bit, uh, but we have not seen this man compete since episode 25, The Undertaker. After nearly seven years with the company, there's been a number of shifts and adjustments that have been made to keep the Undertaker character fresh in the eyes of fans. Most notably, the Undertaker has now been a good guy for the past mm, five years or so. Something of an undead zombie for the forces of good. Uh, now, during that run as a good guy, in 1996, the unthinkable would happen as the Undertaker's longtime manager, Paul Bearer, who you re- you probably do remember, he's kind of a short, fat, pasty white man, like very dark black hair, dark eyebrows. He would talk like, oh, yes, like that. He would carry an urn around with him. He's the Undertaker's manager. Was this part of the the disc, the DVD? The, oh, the uh, graveyard match I sent yes. you? No, actually. Uh, no, shit. no, no, no. Right. But uh, anyway. That's you, embarrassing. He, yeah. Paul Bearer, all, like, we saw him, tw- I believe, twice, and each time he made a very strong impression on you. You were fascinated by this m- very rotund, bizarre-looking man. But anyway, Paul Bearer, his longtime manager, would end up betraying The Undertaker and align himself with The Undertaker's archenemy, Mankind who we've seen in the form of Cactus Jack, Mick Foley, whatever you want. He's also, Mick Foley, done a cameo for us, which was very gracious mm. of him. Since that point, <clears throat> the rotund Paul Bearer 
had continually been a thorn in the side of his former charge, The Undertaker, interfering in his matches and generally just being an asshole. Specifically, when The, when the Undertaker won the WWF title at WrestleMania 13, Bearer would make an overture towards the dead man. Rejoin forces, or else Paul would reveal a horrible secret from The Undertaker's past. Unmoved, Taker forcefully declined Paul Bearer's offer. So there's this kind of hidden piece of information that Paul Bearer is attempting to, you know, coerce, blackmail The Undertaker into joining forces with. Undertaker is saying, no, fuck you, I'm not going to do that yet. After several weeks of this back and forth, Paul finally revealed his earth-shattering news that Paul Bearer had originally met The Undertaker 20 years prior when he was working for The Undertaker's family that owned a funeral parlor. Paul claimed... <laughs> Any questions so far? No, no, no. Okay. Paul claimed that The Undertaker had set fire to the funeral parlor with his mother, father, and younger brother Kane trapped inside this uh revelation Sounds... yeah go ahead i don't know if you played the sims when you were a kid <laughs> <laughs> but you could trap them inside a house and set it on fire uh it just reminded me of of, of those days i'm sure that somebody has replicated yeah. the undertaker yeah. family in the sims probably named, yeah okay multiple times over this this checks out <laughs> So um, this lured, this piece of information lured The Undertaker out to confront Paul Bearer when yet another bombshell was dropped. The Undertaker's brother Kane survived the fire, and he is planning his revenge. But even with all this family drama swirling around him, The Undertaker would need to focus on his upcoming championship match at SummerSlam as his challenger was announced to be none other than the man who has been on a tear ever since defeating Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania, Brett the Hitman Hart. All right. Yes. You got to interrupt. I'm sorry. Um, Please. So I don't pay attention to that strongly always, but I just want to write the impression that someone set fire to like a family's house. The Undertaker set fire to his own family's house, suppose. According to Paul Bear. The Undertaker Bear, to, to, his own, to his own family's house. The Undertaker, according to Paul Bear, which you got to <laughs> consider the source, but according to Paul Bear, The Undertaker <laughs> set fire to his family's funeral home with his mother, father, and younger brother trapped inside. Who are alive, presumably. Well, the mother and father are presumed dead. Oh. Paul Bearer is claiming that his younger brother somehow survived this fire and is wants revenge. Okay, okay. But right. nobody's seen Kane. Nobody has seen The Undertaker's younger brother yet. Okay. So we don't know if Paul Bear's making this up. We don't know what the deal is. But this is there's kind of this rumor circling, swirling uh, in the background uh, about The Undertaker's younger brother. Okay. But his younger brother is not who he's going to be fighting at SummerSlam. That is going to be Bret the Hitman Hart. And so Bret Hart, who we've seen quite a few times at this point... He's still on an anti-American crusade. He's still very, very much pro-Canada. He's still very, very much anti-USA, USA. 
which that's kind of the character that we've seen the the at least the last Bret Hart match where it mm-hmm. took place in Calgary. It was the big U.S. versus Canadian big tag match, etc. Uh, but his crusade has continued in the months following his triumph in Calgary, and his victories have only served to embolden the Hitman more and more. So once this match was made against the Undertaker for the WWF Championship, the supremely confident Hitman claimed that he was so sure of victory that if he did not win the WWF Championship, that he would never wrestle on American soil again. So that is a stipulation that he threw out. If he does not win the title, he will never wrestle in the United States. Now, to his dismay... This stipulation was actually added to the match. So it took (laughs) Bret Hart's boasting and it added some significant stakes to the match itself. But that, incidentally, is not... Go ahead. I just like... So if he lost, he was never going to wrestle on American soil again. If he lost, he never would wrestle on American soil again. Or, technically... He could win, but if he doesn't win by pinfall or submission, let's say that The Undertaker just says, I'm going to get counted out. I'm going to walk out, and I'm going to mm-hmm. be outside the ring for 10 seconds. The referee's going to count me out. The match is over. Bret Hart would win, but he wouldn't win the title. So in theory, he could also, in that case, not be able to wrestle in the United States again again. What a stipulation. So there's some loop. Yeah, so he does not win the title. So he has to pin The Undertaker, or he has to make The Undertaker submit. I mean, I think it's kind of like it's a little bit of a bitch move, though. Like you know, like uh, what's a bitch move? Well, like if you're if you don't win, like you're not going to wrestle on American soil again. Why not make it like if I do win, <laughs> then <laughs> fuck you guys, I'm never going to wrestle on American soil again. You know, like your kind of mind a, you know, works in mysterious ways sometimes. Just saying, like you know, like, <laughs> I mean, I guess you could look at it that way, but that's not what he t- what he okay. did in this right. particular right. scenario, but. In addition to that stipulation, that is not the only X factor in today's contest, as it was also announced, and this is something I think you've actually been wanting for a little while now, it was also announced that this match is going to have a special guest referee. So they're not just going to have some jamoke, some nobody referee just coming coming in with the the zebra stripes on. Jabroni, as some Some jabroni, exactly, thank you. However... Today's referee is going to be none other than the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, who not only took part in our number one ranked match of all time, the (laughs) ladder match, but he is the only wrestler to have two matches in our top five rankings. Is that pretty uncommon to have a wrestler referee a match? It's pretty uncommon. I mean, it happens every now and again. Is there some bias in there? Is there some, like, is there some some shit that's going on? Like, is this... I'm glad that you asked me that question. Let's delve into why it was so intriguing that Shawn Michaels was made the special guest referee into this match. So the the part that makes this intriguing, it all centers around the hatred, both on screen and off screen, between Bret Hitman Hart and Shawn Michaels. So what started as a professional rivalry between the two turned into real-life animosity through a series of events, some of those being as simple as Sean being jealous of the contract that Brett had signed the previous year, and some being a little bit more personal. But all of them, in my opinion, uh, virtually being stirred up by Sean. Sean, at this point in time in his life, was a pilled-up dickhead. 
so but this is this when you say real life animosity you mean like it is real life like we're not talking wrestling real life we're talking like there's some outside shit like there is some real life <laughs> shit okay okay uh, right. and, and i have a story for you that will kind of okay paint this in, in a light that i think everyone can understand so i would say the straw that broke the camel's back which in their real life relationship behind the scenes was while on live tv michaels claimed that brett had seen some quote sunny days as of late uh, which was strongly suggesting that the married with four children hitman was cheating on his wife mm. with sunny the, the WWF 90 sex pot. This was especially interesting as Sunny herself has since confirmed that Sean was regularly hooking up with her around this time. <laughs> so he basically claimed on TV that Sean or that Brett was having an affair with Sonny uh, when Brett knew that his children watched this show, his wife watches this show, and so he was fucking furious, as you could probably imagine. So this incident, along with others led to a skirmish backstage between the two. The fight resulted in Bret Hart yanking out a clump of the Playgirl centerfold's hair, leading to Sean storming out, screaming about unsafe work environments to anyone that would listen. So after this happened, this backstage fight, which made the rounds in like wrestling news sites, people, you know, talking about it. But Sean threatened to quit the WWF. Eventually, cooler heads would prevail, and Sean agreed to continue along with the company. But with the tension between Brett and Sean boiling over into the television show itself, Vince McMahon knew that there was a big money match to be made between the two of them. And so their rivalry continued on screen after their confrontation. So to play into how everyone knew of the dislike between the two, Sean was inserted as the special referee for Bret Hitman Hart versus The Undertaker. And as an added caveat, it was announced that if Sean favored The Undertaker in any way, if he was not a fair referee to Bret, he would also be banned from competing <laughs> in the United States of America. That's that's a hundred times more difficult than in the wrestling match itself. Like, <laughs> like, and, and, and just out of curiosity, how do, how do they determine that? Like, is it, is it an after review of the match that they say? Like, like how, do, how is that? I want to know. Is there a committee? So at this time, there was a commissioner, an authority figure commissioner that was in charge. Mm -hmm. And I think it would be up to the commissioner's discretion whether or not Sean broke that vow. <laughs> just one guy. There is one guy. Yes, there's one commissioner. Who's <laughs> there's no committee. The there's a one guy who says, okay, this is right. fucking wrestling, dog. Hey, this one no, dude. Hey, Eric, why am I here? I'm here for wrestling. You know, like, <laughs> that's right. right. You're here I to just, learn. I just wanted to know. I just wanted to, I got another background. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and that's, and that's, that's what we're doing. Hey, yeah. And, and so that's our match. So we've got the champion and I, I know there's a lot, but then we've got our champion, the undertaker who's burned up. Baby brother is lurking out there somewhere, defending his title against the anti-American Bret Hart, who has to be able to win to be able to continue wrestling in the United States. Meanwhile, the man in the zebra stripes, Shawn Michaels and his ego will attempt to call the match right down the middle, right here in East Rutherford, New Jersey. And that was a great wrap up, but I don't want to like keep <clears throat> keep it going. Um, you say he's lurking out there. <laughs> yes. You mean he's lurking and getting into the into the ring? No one's seen him yet. We don't know. We don't. He, Paul Bear could be lying, 
But you have to imagine that this is, it's somewhere in the back of Undertaker's mind. You know, when you're a fighter, you got to have a clear mind. But the Undertaker, he's thinking like, is my brother really still alive? Is my brother really coming after me? We haven't seen Kane. We don't know that Kane is actually a real thing yet. Paul Bearer could just be bullshitting us. But these are all mind games that are being played with the Undertaker. This is sometimes what I try to explain to people like now that I'm on a wrestling podcast. Like, <laughs> how the fuck? This, like, this, I, I have to like, and I don't have the wordage, right? I don't know carnivore from, you know, cannibalism. So like, I, you know, so I, you know, I'm trying to like fucking explain this shit, but it's just, it's wild. Every fucking match, you know? Like, I would love, I would love it if you just recorded the next conversation you have of you trying to explain for us. <laughs> I, I might, I might. Well, you know, I got the, uh, the attitude era thing. So, yeah, you know, no, that was, uh, that's one of my favorite hey, reporting back that you've done. Yeah. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in, you know, as a wrestling fan, you gotta be really into the, uh, you know, the background and hey, anyway, I digress. All right. So uh, the data will hit, hit you with the data. Then we'll watch the match. So Ryan's record as it stands right now, 35 victories, 27 losses. He is on a one match losing streak. Uh, his record for matches in this great state, the garden state of New Jersey, uh, one win, two losses. He is three wins, one loss at SummerSlam. And then his average ranking for matches in the state of New Jersey is 22. Uh, and then his average ranking of SummerSlam matches is 20. So this, I don't know. The the, the stats kind of tell me that eh, you've got a, about a 50-50 shot at the prediction, uh, but it, it should be a fairly well-thought-of match. So we, we've ranked now 63 matches. Uh, your average for SummerSlam in New Jersey are at 20. So, you know, data, mm-hmm. data says maybe mm-hmm. you'll like it. Right. Uh, any anything else before we uh, we watch this thing? Uh, no, I don't have anything. All right, brother. Well, we're going to take a very quick, blink and you miss it, commercial break. Pause for the cause, that's what they say. While you're listening to that commercial, maybe you want to buy a Hardmark t-shirt or something. Uh, stay tuned for the uh, Human Cannibal shirt coming out soon. But Or a White Claw. Or the White, yeah, the, the world-famous White Claw shirt. But we'll be right back in just a bit. With our thoughts on Undertaker versus Bret Hitman Hart with Shawn Michaels as the special guest referee at SummerSlam 1997. Bret Hart is just taking liberties before the match gets underway. And now the bell sounds, and now we are official. Bob Bear, former manager of The Undertaker, who claimed to, no, who claims that The Undertaker's brother is still alive. Driving that knee. Look out, Undertaker, quick as the outside. Undertaker, oh! And Paul Bear crumpling down in the heat. Hope they don't be just not knocked off the wall. And Bret Hart's out of a chair. Shawn Michaels, knee. Oh, 
We are back. We just watched the match. Ryan, we're fresh out of it. What did you think of the match? It's a good match. It's a good match. I got to respect that match. Uh, even though I took a took an L, but um, yeah, Ryan Ryan uh, was not successful in his prediction. He predicted the Undertaker, which I mean, it was a it was a close one. Could have gone either way, but uh, Bret Hart came away with the W. Bret Hart, as I mentioned earlier, he is a a real heartbreaker for you on this program. You've picked oh. against him. A few times, and I feel like every time has not turned out so well for you. Oh, no, I should probably learn my lesson, but it's all right. Let's get into my notes. So we have Bret Hart is the first person who enters. We have some real authentic 1997 New Jersey wrestling fans. Bret emerges. He's proudly carrying the Maple Leaf flag of Canada. He gets on the microphone. He basically says, you know, all rise, pay your respects for O Canada as it plays everybody's booing. Brett's just stone faced. You can tell he's just fucking loving every second of that. But that was a, that was a great moment. Uh, then we have Sean comes out, sexy boy, boy toy hits the, uh, the double bicep with the pyro. And then uh, the undertaker gets, gets his entrance. And of course he does his, his spoopy lights thing where he turns the light on uh, with his, with nothing but his magical hands. Uh, did, did you have a preference between the three entrances between the three men? <laughs> I, I mean, I was a big fan of the, uh, I thought the turn lights was very well coordinated. <laughs> oh, the undertaker, uh, the undertaker entrance. Yeah. 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 I, I, that's all I, that's all I had. Yeah. Moving along from there. So, uh, Brett actually, after she gets checked by Sean for any foreign objects, uh, Sean then starts checking Taker. While this is all happening and Taker's distracted, Brett Hart takes the the title belt, clobbers Undertaker from behind, and then pulls up up the Undertaker's long entrance jacket and starts like hockey punching him from that, which I thought was a a nice use of like, hey, fuck you, you're going to wear all this elaborate ring gear well i'm gonna make you pay for it and so and the reason that he was not disqualified mind you for hitting undertaker with the belt the match hadn't started yet the bell had not rung yet oh yeah that shot there's some Shawn michael shit like it was his first time refereeing ryan okay yeah, he didn't yeah. know when to ring the bell some people had to kind of coach him up I on mean, how to that do that wouldn't it. be his only fuck up during the whole you know <laughs> We'll we'll get to uh, main, his main fuck up here in just a little bit, I suppose. But uh, a little bit of back and forth, I think. And, and we talked about this a little bit, but it was you know it was a slow start uh, to some degree. Was, I think you described it as a very tactical match. You were asking me if a lot of the matches were kind of in that sort of pace, that tactical sort of style, and uh, they are. But I mean, it was just it was just slow all the way through. Like it was slow all the way. I would say like the first seventy to eighty percent of the match was slow. Yeah, yeah, I you know I yeah I'm a guy you got to keep his attention if you want me to like view your shit like you know and I I I would have I would have fucking turned yeah I'm glad I didn't but I would turn the channel you know like I'm I you know like <laughs> I I think that you were meant to be drawn in by the personalities the larger than life personas of, right. of Undertaker Bret Hart Shawn Michaels which was drawing it, uh, it, it was draw I'm just saying you know like yeah. it, it, part of it's also the fucking game you know it's so. I get it. I think that there is something to be said, and and I will totally uh, co-sign the fact that there was definitely somewhat slow at times. But at the same time, when something is a little bit more slower paced, you can really kind of appreciate each individual action, each individual move a little bit more. But uh, I get where you're coming from, too. Uh, but kind of starts things off. We've got some some guys getting slammed into the various posts. Uh, Brett is working, or excuse me, Undertaker is working on Bret Hart's back uh, to start off with. I think things kind of start.
started really kind of escalating when Paul Bearer emerged. Any thoughts on Paul Bearer? <laughs> like Chris Farley looking, looking <laughs> Chris, guy. Like. I forgot that you called him Chris Farley in this. <laughs> and I don't. When I think of Paul Bear, I always think of classic Paul Bear, the white face, the black mm-hmm. mustache, the black hair, etc. But this is a maybe an underrated era of Paul Bear, the uh the the kind of strawberry blonde hair, the impossibly round body, very classy Chris <laughs> Farley-esque figure. But he was looking so smug. I loved just the the his mugging for the camera and like the point where he's kind of doing the the, the cutthroat type yeah, of yeah. To, to sign etc but of course that doesn't last very long uh, undertaker after he gets out of the figure four leg lock that brett had him in immediately goes after paul bearer who takes a, a couple of punches to the face which gives brett the opportunity to ambush undertaker from behind and, and get the advantage yet again but yeah just a fun fun little highlight of the match didn't last too long i guess also to kind of tie it all together no cane mm. no little baby burned up brother to speak of oh that's right <laughs> yeah I was you forgot about that. that part well i i thought the two other guys came out too i wasn't sure like who the fuck <laughs> those guys were came. like yeah yeah um uh, no, but Paul Bear is affiliated with Kane. We saw Paul Bear. We did not see Kane. So this is a loose thread that who knows? Maybe we'll get some resolution on that in the uh, in the episodes to come. Who knows? But as we kind of jump ahead a little bit further, we've got uh, as you mentioned, Owen Hart, aka Uncle James, and Brian Pillman, Bret Hart's associates in the Hart Foundation, the only Hart Foundation that matters, mind you. They they arrive. And you seem to really enjoy, and this was this the reason you picked Undertaker was because they didn't even interfere. They were just waiting there outside of the ring, and Undertaker just said, fuck it, went after them, took them out, so that they didn't even have the opportunity to intervene in the match. Yeah, no, I... I I, I like that. Yeah, I did. I thought that was a... That was a... That was a mellow I was... <laughs> I mean, he just went out there and fucking took both of them out. That was a... Like, you usually don't see... Usually they play some sort of role later, but they were, yeah. that was it. Like, they'll grab the leg. They'll do something, usually, but they didn't even do fucking anything. Undertaker just said, fuck them, I don't want them here, and uh, and took him out, which I thought was uh, yeah. was funny. But that also led to a moment after uh, they get taken out where Undertaker chokeslams Bret Hart. Shawn Michaels did not see because he was too busy watching Owen and Pillman get taken out of the arena. Taker yanks Sean by the hair and the two begin to bicker. And that's where you can kind of see some of the seams start to unfold. Like what's going to happen to Sean? Like it starts to become apparent that Sean's involvement is going to affect the end result of this match in some way or another. You're just not sure. And I think at this point in time in the match, you seem to think that like Brett and Sean were mending fences of of sorts at, at this point. They were. I, I didn't get that impression. I, I well, Eric, you don't see things as deeply as I do. That's true. That's true. After two white claws, <laughs> yeah, you got to really look underneath the covers of, of what's going on. You know, <laughs> you got to really find out who's who's yeah. Dutch evening who in this in this scenario. I understand. Uh, let's see. We kind of jump around a little ways further. We'll just kind of jump towards the end of the match. I mean, we could talk about like the individual moves, but I don't think that's particularly necessary. So, kind of towards the end. You made your pick for Undertaker, which I did give you the opportunity to switch. But what was what was it that you said? I ain't no bitch. I ain't no bitch. <laughs> I ain't, I ain't gonna switch. So was, yeah, yeah. Well, you didn't actually say that part, you, but it would have been good if you rhymed it. You can't you can't make a pick and then go back on your pick. And I I did I did all like my mouth was like 
getting, I was like <laughs> opening my mouth to say it. And then I was like, I stand by my word, you know? <laughs> right. So. I ain't going to do the bitch switch. And and even if I had made that switch, I, I, mean, I don't want to get too far ahead, but I would have felt like I took the real L, you know? Oh, right. right. It wouldn't have been true to yourself in that. It would have uh, been true to myself. You would have sold yourself down the river. Yeah, I mean, you can finish it. I can I finish later. I just, you know, I'll take this match. i take this match straight to the heart. Like, and it's okay. Yeah. Like, this match, this match resonates with me. But kind of finishing things out. So, uh, Undertaker, he's going for what would eventually come to be known as old school, where he grabs the guy's arm, then he kind of walks along the rope and does a big, like, strike to the back of their neck, head, etc. But Brett kicks the top rope to uh, crotch the Undertaker on the top of the turnbuckle. Uh, they kind of struggle. Uh, Taker nearly falls, which you, you kind of caught as a, as a little bit of not what was supposed to happen. But Brett uh, saves it and then excellently executes a big superplex from the top rope, which nice ring generalship from the hitman. He slipped. He slipped. <laughs> Undertaker slipped. Bret Hart but, saved it. Um. Yeah, well, I mean, Brett. I mean, Undertaker could have saved himself right there, you know, by slipping. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's true. He could have gotten out of the move. That's yeah. a good. That's a good point. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it was a defensive slip. Yeah. Uh, but then we have the sharpshooter, Bret Hart's famous finishing maneuver, the one that he not only beat beat Steve Austin with, but he also broke the six match winning streak of Ryan Murphy with as well. But uh, Taker, he's non responsive in the sharpshooter. Looks like oh, he could pass out. He could suffer the same fate as Stone Cold Steve Austin, but he powers out, knocks Brett out of the ring. Brett is incredulous. No one's powered out of the sharpshooter before. This is unheard of. Then, as Brett gets back in, Taker begins signaling for the tombstone pile driver, which Brett counters, drags him to the corner, tries to do a corner sharpshooter, which looked, as you mentioned, completely ridiculous. No leverage whatsoever. Taker was just laying down on his belly. He was like a teenager talking on the phone with his legs up, just like, what are you doing over there, Marjorie? Like stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Not a, not a whole lot of leverage on that move. But that gives Undertaker the excuse to be able to power Brett away from the ring. He lands on top of Shawn Michaels while Shawn Michaels is down. That gives Brett the opportunity to grab a steel chair which he then clobbers Undertaker with, one of the better chair shots that we've seen in the history of the program, pins Undertaker. Undertaker kin- kicks out of the pinfall, which I think you thought briefly yeah, was going yeah, to be it. Yep. That leads to Sean and Brett arguing when Sean discovers his steel chair in the corner of the ring. He finds that chair. He starts accusing Brett. They go back and forth a little bit eventually, and you can pick this up if you watch it, but Brett, you could very clearly hear and see him say, fuck you and then he spits a gigantic (laughs) tired guy loogie like imagine you've just been running for like two or three miles and you're spitting like the consistency of your spit in that scenario that's the type of spit that brett hit sean with and you can even see it on sean's like face and neck Afterwards, not trying to gross people out i'm just saying like it was a pretty good spit and so when and this is actually a time tie back to very very early episodes of our program where you complained very frequently like when guys spit at each other there's no repercussions there's no consequence like in a real life situation when you spit at a man that fucking shit's on from there i I agree i yeah with myself (laughs) 
And so in this case, as soon as Sean gets spit on, he's holding the chair. Yeah. He's just like, oh, fuck this. And then he hauls off and swings the chair. Brett moves out of the way. Undertaker gets clobbered by the chair. Sean immediately li- realizes what the fuck he just did. And is like, oh, shit. Yep. Brett yep. pins Undertaker. He had to counts. call it too. Like he, he had, had to call yeah, it. he had to count the pinfall, and you yeah, can tell yeah. like there was a very slight like it was so well done. <laughs> One, two, yeah. eye contact with Brett. Very, very, very slight hesitation. Three slides out of the ring. Fuck, and then yep, that's yep. the end of the match. Great. One of the better endings that we've ever seen. Like a it was great. Good. It was good. All these twists, all these turns. You don't know what's going to happen. But that was it. And unfortunately, Ryan did not predict the winner accurately. But uh, what can you do? Overall, though, good good little match. Which wow. takes us to our, our ranking. We got to rank this thing, my friend. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm not even looking yet. I got to pull up the, the, the data. But uh, what do we what do we think in here? Are we thinking good, bad? This is good. This is a good match. I I yeah, I probably would have to. Uh, it's definitely like it was slow. I didn't. I just like the ending of it. I really did. Um, that's the kind of drama I'm looking for in a fucking wrestling match. That is, you know. Yeah, and like there is something to be said for like. When guys have the time to kind of like take you on that ride early on, because if like that same ending had happened and the match was, you know, five minutes long, I don't think it would have carried the weight that it had yeah. going yeah. the length that it did. So I, I, I totally, I, I don't disagree with anything that you said about kind of the pace being a little bit slow, but it also kind of played into like the frantic nature of the end of the match being as as good as well done as it was. I thought. So like for me, like right, it's either at the top of good. I honestly really like the ending of this. This is, like I said, this is what I'm looking for. The drama. It just, it could have been even higher, but I just, it was so fucking slow, you know. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. To for me to really push it up there, it's got to have, you know. But yeah, I was hoping, I was hoping to get something in the top ten. I don't think it's gonna reach that. Uh... I think it's probably in between like fifteen and eleven. I would say like. Um, okay. Just... So eleven. Was the uh, the second ladder match that we saw uh, between the three teams? And we've got. Uh, I'm actually, thinking. I'm thinking. Yeah, go ahead. I, I mean, I don't want to like. I mean, uh, just twelve is the last WWF match we saw, which yeah, yeah. literally happened immediately before the match that we just saw between Steve Austin and Owen Hart, where Steve Austin nearly got his neck broke. I I, I do feel like I would put this probably the maybe the new thirteen. I think it was good. I think it was a great match. I think it was. I I you know if it hadn't. <laughs> You got to throw the drama into it, and uh, I think it had it at the end, um, or like at least at all. Like there was drama throughout, but it all came to fruition, you know, at the end. So new number thirteen is what you're saying? Yeah, I, I like that match. Um, okay, I am adding that right now. All righty, perfect. I've got that, and I can fill in the rest of those cells. Cool. All right. Well, we got to finish this thing. We'll be back, of course, as we. Always are in a weekly schedule now. We'll be back with Rumpus Time on August 11th. Who knows what Ryan will talk about there? Will he talk about stabbing pit bulls in the head? Will he talk about, you know, things that I'm supposed to edit out of episodes about his friend's girlfriends? <laughs> we don't know yet, okay? It's a it's an impromptu show that we could talk about anything. Raise, being raised Lutheran. 
Necklace, necklaces being made out of rice kernels. Where is rice that necklace? Grains of where? Where is Ryan? Who do you have Ryan's necklace? Where is <laughs> Robert? Give him back his necklace, Robert. Robert would be wearing my fucking necklace if anyone like it would be. Fucking Robert, let me tell you one thing about. He'd be drinking a fucking vodka sour wearing my fucking necklace. That's you right. Know? He's wearing his black button-up shirt, his black pants, <laughs> yeah. and he's got his goddamn grain of rice necklace. Give it back, Robert. It's been a while since we've shouted out uh, those those yeah. folks. I don't know they even listen to the wrestling stuff anyway, but if they did, they get a little plug. Watching it. Check out watching it. <laughs> For all your... <laughs> I don't, this, is the, I don't. this is the program where we only plug other podcasts <laughs> at the absolute fucking end uh, of our show. So, so that way, only people who are literally listening to every single minute of our content uh, hear it, which is... That's how you got to promote stuff. But uh, we got to finish it out. We're getting sidetracked. I'm punchy. This is my Friday. Yeah. Well, I, but let's do it. Eric's Wisdom Tree. <laughs> <laughs> got it a little early there. Did I? Yeah, a little, like a tad bit. Like your last word. Be, I, I was fine. I, I just. Eric's Wisdom Tree. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Syrup is just tree milk. I tell you, you want to just fucking get the fuck out of here, dude. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? That Sometimes was... information is like enlightening things. Yeah. So was I hot brain when I thought of that? I don't know. I could have been. But yes, syrup. I, it is, right? Like, I, I can't disagree with that. Like, yeah, you I, can't dispute that. Syrup's just... You could you could have talked about how syrup is really good, and I could have disagreed, but, like, uh, you said syrup is tree milk, and I, I can't disagree with that, so I think it's I think it's yeah. subtle. Like, yeah. Milk of the trees. Yeah, milk of the tree. Maple, yeah. You could say it's tree tree blood, too, I guess, but I, I prefer tree milk. Mm. Is it tree blood? I don't know. That's a good question. Is it carrying nutrients, or is it exporting... It's probably more milk... Because, like, water water would be the blood, right? Like, through the roots, right? Like, but it's exporting. Like, it has to still suck in water and, like, nutrients from the ground. But it's, it's like, you know, bringing out. I think it has to be milk. I would, I would lean towards milk. It's the second. It's syrup tree blood. That's the second thing here. Many people think of sap as a tree's blood, and the comparison is accurate to a point. But did you look up, did you look up milk, too? Did you? Because you Let's should find look out. Yeah, you should look up that. Like. Syrup tree milk. Uh, nobody's answered this question, so I'm gonna say. I mean, if they haven't uh, That's, disputed, okay. It. I, you know, I, I don't have, I don't have opinion one way or the other. Um, I'm just, I'm just saying. Like, it seems to me like it, I would lean milk. Yeah, but uh, I think for for the purpose of the tree, it's tree blood. I think for our purposes of human beings, yeah. But like, what about a cow? Like, I mean, you drink, you don't drink their blood. You drink their milk. Bone marrow is that blood? <laughs> Right, yeah, bo- bone marrow is the blood of the bone. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, syrup, I, tree milk. I don't know. I don't know why you had immediately. Your first instinct was to shit on that wisdom. Not every wisdom needs I to be a fucking fifteen minute conversation. Here's what you said. You were just like, I can tell you really want to get the fuck out of here. Oh yeah, because you fucking. I I can. I can tell you want to fucking get out camping. You're ready to go. Like uh, you just fired that one off. You I'm didn't not even leaving fucking tonight. You just thought about that in your head like five seconds before. You're like, yes, this is it. Like, I'm good. Like, and you knew that wasn't really, I, I don't even think it's, uh, whatever. It's, it's fucking tree milk. I agree with you. Like, you know, that's what it is. Like, Get over it. End the fucking show. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's it. That's the wisdom. Syrup's 
tree milk. And if you try and Google it, well, nobody else has an answer. But we did. <laughs> we just answered it for you. It's tree milk, not tree sure blood. Yeah. Although yeah. maybe it is also that too. I don't know. But yeah, we'll be back August 11th. We're getting towards the end of the summertime, everybody. It may <sighs> feel to Ryan and I like summertime literally just started two days ago uh, because of the summer solstice. That's not true because it's August 11th next time you hear us. You guys are getting a little like your days are getting shorter every day. Jesus, negative Nancy. Sorry. Jesus Christ. Cut this podcast off, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) Days are getting shorter. The year, the the, the days are long and the years are short, everybody. Your life's ticking away a moment at a time. Think about that when you're going to bed tonight. (laughs) But if if you're not hard, if you're not hard, get hard. Let's you get hard, stay hard. That's all, folks. I could go Gary all day.